Welcome to Healthcare Tips with Ambiance, where we give you simple tips and tools to help you navigate your health journey. I'm your host, Rajine Josie, family nurse practitioner and the founder of Ambiance Primary Care in Silver Spring, Maryland, where our focus is healthcare made simple. And today we're asking, who can I run to? We're addressing the psychological effects associated with undetected childhood trauma and how it affects people as they grow into adulthood. It's a thing, so let's talk about it. And I'm so excited because our guest is one of the most intellectually sound and wise advocates for the voices that are unheard. She is immensely talented and passionate about her service to the community and it shows. She is a nationally certified licensed professional counselor and an absolute trailblazer. She's the unparalleled Miss Brittany George. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us today on our show. Hey, so it's good to be here. Now, I don't think I gave your credentials the recognition you deserve, so please tell us a little bit more about who you are and your specialty. Awesome. So I have the privilege of working in public health and in private practice. I'm a licensed uh, professional counselor, as you said, uh, in Central Virginia. And uh, two of my specialties are uh, perinatal mental health, which works with birthing persons uh, throughout pregnancy and into postpartum, and then also with pediatrics. And what tends to happen is that I do a lot of dyad work, which means dual, two-person work with uh, parents and their children, caregivers and their children. So that's a little bit about my specialty. Again, see, trailblazer. I cannot (laughs) wait to hear your take on this topic. So let's get right into it. So if we're honest, people are going through it, right? Like Mm -hmm. more specifically, our youth. Um, You hear it all the time. Uh, stories of some of the most tragic shootings in schools, adolescents and teenagers committing suicide, and um, simply the mental health disparities and challenges that people are just facing in all the age ranges throughout our country and the world, right? Right. Um, We can say that the pandemic really has taken a toll or has shown, like brought to light the mental issues that a lot of us, and I say us, because I feel like I've been impacted as well. it's just really brought it to light. So I really wanted to be able to kind of um, hone in on how these um, issues have uh, taken a toll on us as a people and how it starts as, you know, in childhood, like how how do we help deal uh, with what some may call like an everyday battle of different aspects of like depression or low self-esteem and like the lack of self-respect and mental boundaries even, right? Because ignoring or failure to recognize these issues can lead to unfavorable outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, can you speak to us about some of the common signs of a child who has experienced trauma like what do you see and what approaches do you take right right and you're absolutely right with your what you're saying um i like to divide across the developmental spectrum um 
what uh, is happening in young people. So we got like preschool age and then we got elementary school and middle and high school. We definitely, <laughs> there's a lot going on already in that stage of life. So we, it's good to divide those up kind of in, into three sections of, of young uh, childhood or being a minor basically. So what I tend to see for preschool children, um, uh, I see a lot of attachment concerns, um, the social base anxiety where they have issues with going to school. Um, they, they tend to need to get, uh, you know, picked up. They have trouble acclimating or, you know, assimilating into uh, the school environment. And so a lot of clinginess uh, and even some like regressed behaviors. Um, I have some some kiddos. One of one of my uh, age groups that I work with the most uh, is five and under. So I see a lot of toddlers, and what tends to happen is the kids that I see that have trauma in that age, they tend to have those regressed behaviors. And so you see some bedwetting mm-hmm. at like four or five uh, to the point where it isn't um, normal anymore. Um, it's outside of the range of being developmentally appropriate. Um, fear of the dark, you know, thumb sucking especially. Um, and a- another major thing that I see in preschoolers would be um, head banging. You know, I, I actually have a-, a few on my caseload now where they're banging their heads on the wall. They're- they have like rocking behaviors. Um, but generally it's a fear of being separated from whoever their main caregivers are is is where i kind of see okay we got a preschooler that has experienced some sort of trauma Um, now in elementary school children where they tend to you know they've been in school for a little bit so uh they may not have uh the attachment concerns but they tip, you typically see things like irrational fears, mm-hmm. that irritability starts to come out around elementary age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see a lot of withdrawal. You know, elementary kids can tend to be a little bit more forthcoming and open towards people. Okay. But if it's extreme withdrawal where they are, uh, it's not just a shyness, but they don't hang out or interact with anyone. Um, now you could see some school refusal. Um, some children, you know, don't just don't want to go to school, right. and then that kind of funnels into, uh, excuse me, poor academic engagement, right. um, where they are their their grades, even though they may be testing well. Uh, the psychologist says that they're meeting all of the milestones, but they're still getting D's and F's in class, right? Or E's and S, you know, um, not satisfactory uh, grades in, in their classes. Um, but then also nightmares. Uh, night terrors tend to be more appropriate for preschoolers. But if you have a, an elementary age kid who are, you know, they're having persistent nightmares, mm-hmm. that's usually a red flag for me that there's some trauma in their background. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another, and this is kind of a diagnostic concern where um, a lot of kids at this age get diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so they see that with like the inattentiveness, the hyperactivity, but honestly, you need to get a really good psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner that's able to differentiate between trauma-based behaviors and classic symptoms of ADHD mm. because those things tend to get uh you know misdiagnosed yeah. 
right right so it can be kind of tricky um now as we're kind of getting into middle and high school uh they tend to depending on the the type of trauma or the context of the trauma is when you really start to see like classic depression um, some antisocial behavior uh, withdrawal, emotional numbing, um, and even like substance use mm-hmm. is something that we need to look into as well. Um, and then suicidal ideation, you know, different things like that. So uh, avoidant behavior. So that those are kind of the three uh, age ranges that I would really separate them um, in order to get like a clear kind of snapshot of maybe some trauma that's going on. Right, because in each of those stages, they're really going through, um, outside of any trauma, they're already dealing with just life itself and trying to figure out who they are, where the place is. So um, I can totally second that. Um, Those do also sound like um, pretty significant behaviors. Are there any subtle behaviors that we can look for that would indicate that there may be something the child is actually struggling with? Right. No, I honestly, I would have that question be through the lens of systems, Mm -hmm. uh, because especially once they get into elementary school and middle and high school, um, there's there's a lot more. I I guess children are kind of a reflection of the systems that they are a part of. And I would say this for children just in general, but especially because belonging and um, social support and things surrounding uh, people that they are a part of, whether that's peer group, family, you know, other sorts of community uh, groups, churches, whatever, right? Right. If you're finding that even despite the richness or the involvement, that there's this avoidance, mm-hmm. right, that's in them. And I see this a lot with middle and high school children. I, I start to uh, see this incongruency of, well, it appears that, you know, you're um, in sports. It seems like you have a steady family. Um, and But it isn't, it, there's something else that's going on for them. So I think like avoidance would really be a subtle thing because a quiet child is often ignored, right? They, they feel like they're really well-adjusted um, and they, it, you know, I, I see especially now with the, you know, Gen Alpha or like the generation that's coming up now, mm-hmm. the world is so noisy for them. And so they really can get ignored uh, a good bit. And so a traumatized child can really just kind of be under the radar for a lot of these places. Like the guidance counselor, even the parents may not know um, that there's something going on in the child. They just kind of see them in their room a lot, you know, and they kind of are just like, well, they just kind of keep to themselves. And so I get a lot of uh, disillusioned parents that are, Uh, you know, very just caught off guard by the fact that their child, especially if it happened outside of the home, that their child experienced trauma. Mm. So I'm going to ask you a question that might step on some toes, but we have to go there, right? Um, Should parents or guardians be blamed for the child's upbringing or mm-hmm. traumatic experiences mm-hmm. or inability to cope with those traumatic experiences? Like what are some of the ways parents or guardians can contribute or be contributing to like the stressors in a child's life? 
Man, I I think that this is I love this question because uh, this I got um, how can I put it I got mentorship uh, pretty much throughout even though, even this point I'm surrounded by teachers right mm-hmm. and so a lot of I find myself around a lot of counselors that work with uh, kids right they work with young people mm-hmm. and so it is a saying among pediatric therapists that you are not doing individual, you are never, ever, ever doing individual work with a child. You are always doing family therapy of some of some version or some form, right? Um, and that's a good thing to kind of keep in front of you because there is a possibility for a pediatric therapist at some point or another to go into savior mode and to want to protect the child from their family system. Right. And what that ends up doing, which is why I have the two specialties that I have and I do a lot of dyad work is because I want to engage whoever the parent is as much as possible, because I know that generational trauma, particularly like in the in certain communities, like the black community, for instance, Mm -hmm. is something that comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm wanting to um, if I'm trying to demonize the role of the parent for the child, that's going to worsen whatever issues that they are experiencing. And, and that has a, um, that has a, that makes a possibility for us to worsen whatever it is that's going on. Now I'm not talking about, uh, places or, or like instances of like, uh, abuse where we need to get, uh, other entities, community services involved. I'm meaning in, in the majority of cases mm-hmm. uh, where you have a very overwhelmed, burnt out, uncertain parent that has likely experienced um, trauma of their own. Right. Um, and so what we call this, uh, one of my favorite books, uh, Parents as Partners in Child Therapy, and that's by uh, Paris Goodyear Brown. Um, this book is worn <laughs> because I use it so much, uh, which it came out recently. So it's worn already, but um, uh, calling a cascade of care uh, for the therapist to the family that you're working with, even if the identified client is the child, mm-hmm. is basically uh, helping to give the parent what you would want them to give to the child. Mm-hmm. And so um, helping for uh, they use the analogy of if you're trying to dig a well, um, you have to go deep, deep, deep into the ground to get to the water source. We cannot, you know, demonizing the parents or blaming the parents is very surface level work for this child. And it's so easy to scapegoat the parent mm-hmm. to be like, well, you know, your parents aren't doing this and this is why you are the way that you are. Um, one, I think that's inappropriate to say to a child, especially if it's, you know, in session because um, that causes triangulation, right? Um, but if we are working with the parents in order to better hear or to be a support for this young person, we have to meet the parents where they are um, and identify some sort of strength. There's something, There's I've been doing this for 12 years. There's always a strength to identify, even if it's, hey, you brought the child to the session. That's the strength we can start there, right? Um, And so what I found is that a lot of the most hardcore parents have a shame root. They have uh, 
a thought that they are the blame. They know deep down that there's something that is going on with them that's causing them to um, enable maybe the problem that their child is going through. And so they want to distance themselves from that shame, which is why they feel they, they feel the need to blame the child, right? It's a way that the brain projects, you know, and to, and to get that feeling away from them. And so, you know, that's, that's what I typically uh, tend to see, but blaming the parent is not helpful, not even therapeutically and not at all. It's not going to be helpful at all. You need an ally in the parent. An ally in the parent. And I think you kind of nailed it on the head when you said meeting them where they are in practice. That's the biggest thing for, for me is to be able to also meet my clients, my patients where they are, right? Many of them have no idea where they are and they're just needing that guidance and someone to kind of unwind a lot of the um, issues that they are dealing with um, in that moment, really. Yeah. Um, these these children, right, they, they grow up, right, to become husbands and wives, uh, leaders, officers, lawmakers. I mean, we are literally building a new society so with all of this information in play, right? Um, mm -hmm. What are some practical and even measurable tools that can be implemented mm -hmm. when like, you know, with, within the home or to help prevent emotional trauma? Um, and are there any practical resources that are available to individuals and families who may need it? Right, absolutely. Well, I, I, I have to start off with the public health route, um, talking to your child's pediatrician about a referral for a family counselor is the is a really good step. Or not even, it doesn't even have to be like a clinical uh, support. It can be a peer support, asking about uh, where are the parent groups, you know, where are the caregiver support groups? What are the uh, resources in the community that support parents being their best parent? Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes, and I guess it depends on what area you live in, because there are some places where if you were to go to, to a social services building, mm -hmm. it would be very carceral. It would be very uh, punitive based. It would be about, you know, their, their focus um, is to... Um, like I said, demonize parents, but not give them resources is not preventative. Um, and, and they definitely do not have what should be, you know, if you think about the beginning, the origins of social services, uh, specifically for like fo the foster care system, mm -hmm. is to keep parents with their children, to keep families together. Mm. And so there's been a shift that's happened, you know, over some time yes. where it, it hasn't been about that as much. Um, and so what, but what I tell folks is that if you have a good relationship with your pediatrician and you trust to kind of share, you know, I'm having some parenting concerns, I'm having some behavioral issues, you know, in our home, is there any resources that you know of? I'd start there. Um, now that's if you trust, you, you have a good relationship with yes, them. So that's very important. That's, that's, that's incredibly important. So, um, I just tell people to start there because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times the, the barrier is just an access issue. It's like people just need to know where the services are. Um, but as far as like in the home, 
Uh, this is a it's a really old book, and it's mainly for like people with smaller children. Mm-hmm. But um, it's called Love Rituals, and I love this book uh, because what it does is, and I kind of facilitate this in session when I'm doing diet work, is to uh, not for the treatment to come from me, but for me to teach the parent how to do the treatment. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just there as a guide to to give yeah. that parent resources, and so they can take that home and do what we learn you know, do what we learn and what we talk about in session, because the point is not for me to posture myself as expert, it's to help the parent become the expert. Yeah. Um, And so I love the Love Rituals book. And so for smaller children, one of my favorite things to do, and I see this with uh, kids that have that school refusal, especially preschool, first grade, second grade, um, is to create your own handshake, right? And so you can use this for, um, you know, transitions that are geared around a lot of stress. Some people co-parent, right? And they have to, um, you know, those days where they're, you know, the parent is going to their their other parent for the weekend or something like that. And they need they need something to help bridge the gap between hellos and goodbyes, right? right. Um, so, you know, that's a way to kind of build that healthy attunement, you know, build that bond between the child. Um, and so I kind of suggest, it's really simple. And it's like, I went to school and paid uh, six figures, <laughs> you know, paid all this money, but it's really, really simple. And I love that it's so simple because it's translatable to-, and to you uh, know That's yeah. really what we're about. It's mm-hmm. both care made simple. When I opened up the office, that was the point. It was, yes. let's talk, <laughs> like there's so much education and so many rationales for why we do what we do but when you bring it back home to that mom that's had such a crazy busy day and comes home has to cook and clean and do all of the things fathers too like can we break it down to that you know i don't know 15 minutes that she has to herself where nobody's screaming or hollering you know can we give her something can we give that father something can we give give that parent something that's going to help them to be able to know what to do uh put something in their hands to help them go on to the next um you know to the next period for that child and to be able to be the best parent that they possibly can be right absolutely Brittany. you are a wealth of wisdom i don't know how many times i can say that like you are a wealth of wisdom and intelligence and i'm so so honored to have you share on today's episode of healthcare tips with ambiance like thank you so much for being here oh it's my pleasure so it's i mean it's real advice it's with real healthcare professionals and many times like you just said it we don't know what we don't know so Thank you for shedding light and keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. To our listeners, thank you for joining us as we all work together in our society. Again, it's real advice from real healthcare providers and it's healthcare made simple. We'd love to hear from you. So send in a few topics you'd like to hear us discuss. Do the whole like, share, follow, and subscribe through our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel, and TikTok at Ambiance Primary Care. I'm your host, Rajin Josie, family nurse practitioner and the founder of Ambiance Primary Care in Silver Spring, Maryland. Join us on the next episode of Healthcare Tips with Ambiance. Until then, Be kind to everyone for no reason at all.